0: Welcome to XR Star, a monthly podcast where we talk about all things extended reality, looking at the business cases for immersive technologies, the challenges, where we're at today, and our predictions for tomorrow. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. While XR technologies have been hyped since 2014, It's only now in the midst of 2020 and this global pandemic and economic crisis that we're really starting to see the true value of virtual augmented and mixed realities as vital components to the future of business success. One of our greatest challenges I feel that the XR community faces is one that we created ourselves as an industry. Early hype and evangelical proclamations oversold the limited abilities of VR and AR technologies in the early days, fueling disappointed expectations, which the industry has been trying to crawl back from for years. It may be helpful to remember that AR and VR, while they've been developing alongside each other since the 1960s, the industry as we know it today is less than seven years old. That said, the improvements in such a relatively short period have been quite remarkable, but even so, people adapt and adopt at a much slower pace than big technology companies often presume. For me, it's too simple to judge the success of this industry on how many headsets we've sold or not sold. Instead, we should focus on the true business cases for XR. The future of the industry relies on its ability to live up to its promises that XR can save companies time and money, accelerate processes, measure engagement, bring people together in unique and memorable ways, and create new revenue streams that don't only justify costs, but proportionally outweigh them. Under this pandemic, the events industry has particularly suffered. And this is one of the areas I wanna to focus today's episode on. Many of us have done events on Zoom, hop in Teams. And while at first during the pandemic, this was a real um, kind of Band-Aid and we all adapted, adapted really fast and, um, and made it work, uh, we have started to see the challenges of this medium. For one, attention span, people just don't have the attention span to sit there and watch their screen for a long period of time. Screen fatigue is real and we're all suffering from it at this point. Uh, Networking continues to be awkward. And one thing that's really surprised me is this lack of professional quality that's come to these virtual events. All these events start to look the same and sound the same, and it's really hard for companies and brands to differentiate. So this starts to make a case for virtual reality. Last week, I had the privilege of being able to host part of the European VRAR trade show virtuality. Um, I was there last year in in real life <laughs> in physical world and it was an amazing conference um, really enjoyed it i got to try the hololens 2 before everyone else um yeah it was really great coming together of the community and i loved it and so what they did this year is they completely replicated the entire conference inside a virtual world so they had exhibition booths and auditoriums networking lounges and these you know were all accessible via laptops or through Oculus headsets. And that's something to remember about this is that not everybody needs to have a virtual reality headset to be able to join these virtual experiences. Um, It was very cool. Um, A couple things I missed, though, were the physical cues. Like, for instance, uh, while I was hosting this panel, one of the speakers paused. And I thought they were finished speaking, so I started to speak, Uh, but it turns out they were just having a sip of water, which is something I would have seen if we were doing a video conference or if we were in person, but not having that kind of physical cue in virtual reality meant that I started to talk and I had to then apologize that I was talking too soon. Um, And then something that surprised me was networking was still very awkward for me personally in virtual reality. Um, So, I mean, I'm relatively shy in general. So walking up and talking to strangers in person is somewhat difficult. But when I really started to think about why I had expected it to be better in virtual reality and still found that it kind of wasn't it really made me think about all these kind of icebreakers that we take for granted. Um, for instance, when you're in a physical environment, looking across the room, making eye contact, a smile, maybe recognizing somebody who you think you have things in common with, um, you know, even just around snacks and coffees and stuff like, Oh, we're out of the milk. Ha You know, these are the kind of things that get people to start talking to each other. And, um, and, I, and that's something that I think we're really going to have to think about when it comes to networking in these, in these virtual environments. All this said, though, it was a very memorable and cool conference. Um, I felt the urge to talk about the experience over my social media networks. Um, it's, I'm sat here today talking about it, you know, and I host and talk at a lot of conferences. And this one made a big impact and impression on me. And um, for that alone, you know, it really does start to stand out amongst things like Zoom and Hopin and Teams, et cetera, which I'm not dissing. I understand why they're there, but I just think that in the future, we need to start to look at how we can do better. Um, Another thing that is interesting is uh, the business case for moving things like training inside these virtual worlds. So... Here in London, there's an executive training organization called the Leadership Network, and they moved all their physical masterclasses into the metaverse via their Gemba VR platform earlier this year. And by doing this, they removed three nights accommodation, business travel, and subsistence from the equation, which saved customers an average of 1,800 pounds per person. This also meant that they were out quote, out of the office a lot less. And for the company themselves, they were able to turn over a lot more people through the courses. So what we're seeing here is, you know, new business um, cycles um, developing, you know, business applications developing that maybe weren't there before. And then on this idea of events, You know, I very much think that while we are doing virtual events at the moment, we're going to start to be moving more back into a hybrid event where we are combining the virtual and the physical events. And, you know, and then even when we go back to mostly physical events, I believe that there will be this virtual event component. Um, And I think that augmented reality is going to play a significant role when we get back into these physical environments. You know, whether that is retail or museums or other entertainment facilities, um, you know, we can use this to deliver information, engaging experiences, all while keeping people safe. Because essentially what they do is they use the one piece of technology that we all have in our hands, on our bodies, all the time and we're very comfortable with this and we know that you know our phone our personal property is safe and web AR is one use that I was seeing as a trend coming up in the event world and now I think it's going to be perpetuated uh, much more into these events you know we've seen it with things like pathfinding um, but now being able to use it to be able to share information keep that information those snapshots of animations, uh, we can really add value. And then the gamification aspect, uh, being able to do things like virtual scavenger hunts. Because essentially what we're talking about is we're adding this digital layer over our world. And and you know where this is going is it means new advertising opportunities um, for everyone. So I'm not gonna go into this too much today, but one area I am completely fascinated with is the idea of being able to geopin augmented reality and mixed reality to specific locations, which essentially means that in the future, we open up the entire world as real estate for interactive shoppable digital signage, which can be viewed through our phones, through glasses, um, and sooner than we may all think, contact lenses and implants. Again, something I'm not gonna get into too much today because I really hope to have um, a guest speak on this in a future episode. But this actually brings me into um, the guest who I have here today. So we met recently when I hosted the launch of Studio X, which is an innovative broadcasting solution and network that allows companies to produce professional quality events in the safe and convenient way. So what really interests me about this particular solution is that it's inclusion of XR technologies, meaning that a small studio space can now be expanded exponentially digital, digitally, or you could host your conference from outer space. Or you can even have things like graphs of data rise up around you um, from the ground up. We're starting to see uh, glimpses of this on television. I don't know if you guys saw when Katy Perry performed on American Idol, the song Daisies. If you haven't, look it up. It's a great example of how this technology can be used. but. Um, But this technology is available and it's available to brands and companies today. And I believe that this is going to be a key differentiator when it comes to not just virtual events, but also bringing this back into the physical event space. And I can see um, a time very soon where... You know, instead of designing a 2D PowerPoint presentation, we are designing 3D immersive animations that add a whole new level to events and conferences. So more on that in a minute. But without further ado, let me welcome Immersive AV's managing director, David Mackay. Hi, David. How are you doing?
1: Amelia. Not too bad, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining me here today. Yeah. Um, so I thought maybe we can start by you giving us a bit of background on who you are and what you do and kind of bringing us up to date about your role today.
1: Okay, um, I'll try and keep this brief because it's, it's been quite a long career. Um, but as you know, I, I left university, went off and joined like community arts and theatre. Uh, moved on from there into touring theatre. So it was very much an arts and theatre background to start with. Um, did that for quite a while. And then went off and wrote software programmes for a bit, just because you do. Um, bit of a strange step, but nowadays, looking back, it was part of a career path. So I'll stick to that story then. It's become a career path. Um, went back into arts management for a bit uh, and then joined the world, I suppose, of Standard AV companies delivering live events and conferences worked that for a while. Eventually worked my way through and ended up as technical director for Excel Video, and then from there as um, onto working with creative technology. And that's kind of taken me through a whole range of things, from live events and conferences through to. uh, music events, doing projection mapping in Japan in the days when there were no tools to do projection mapping, but you actually had to bend the models to make them fit, which was lots of good fun working with uh, a Korean graphics company who didn't speak Japanese or English, a Japanese film crew who didn't speak Korean or English, and of course we didn't speak anything but English being English. So, Lots of drawings, lots of Lots of things, but we created it in the end. Um, And it's kind of taken me through stuff like lots of interactive pieces. Um, I've done AV designs for super yachts, put stuff on there, lots of mapping jobs and yeah, live events up to arena opening ceremonies. So, but the big thing that's always interested me has been the, the blurring of those lines between what's real, what's not real, and Basically, just watching the excitement people see when they realize they're looking at this kind of, I use the word hybrid, but that kind of reality that some of it's not, but it's blended together. And that's always been the thing inside to me. So here I am at Immersive AV. Um, I look after a lot of the technical aspects and, and we're pushing the envelope with the XR side of things.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Um, I think would, maybe it would help a bit for you to tell me how you define XR.
1: <laughs> it's become such a broad word for things that we do these days. But for me, XR is kind of like a, a bit of an umbrella term for three kinds of realities. You've got virtual reality, which we don't do a huge amount of. Augmented reality, where you're adding something in front of a real-world piece, be that, and you see it through a camera or a device, but it's it's definitely on the front plane. And then mixed reality, which is where you start having virtual and digital objects in the same space as reality, and they interact and they all become one larger scene. And for me, XR is is for us. It's that combination of the last two: it's mixed reality, augmented reality, and all the things we can do. And you mentioned earlier on the set extensions, creating a, an infinite environment in a small space. It's it's all of that stuff for us.
0: Yeah, and I love that. Um, you know, one thing I think is a common misconception about XR is that it has to be this exclusive kind of experience. We often imagine somebody, you know, alone in their bedroom with a headset on. When actually we this is something that a technology that we can bring to many people um, and it can be quite inclusive in a lot of ways, uh, which I really love. Um, yeah, immersive XR is a topic that we did a lot of talking on at last year's XR summit and uh, and it's fascinating. and I want to make sure that we underline that as well, and it doesn't get lost in the mix of talking virtual and Augmented reality. So um, we met because of Studio X, which I think is a fantastic product that you guys have brought to market. I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit about Studio X and what it is and what it does.
1: Well, Studio X in its in its raw level is a a series of partners that we have throughout the UK, um, which can interact with each other can but can be principally a, a streaming host for, um, for anyone who want, doesn't want to travel. There's a lot of places where you have different participants in an event in different areas of the country. And the kind of norm is you go to a green screen or a streaming studio and you all travel to the same place. Now, obviously, that becomes harder and harder as more and more places get, you know, travel is restricted. So we, we have a partnership so you can go to one of these venues and stream your event from there or you can go, you know have participants in three of the venues and then from our kind of streaming hub here in Telford we knit those together into a, a combined show. Um, they're made with LED backdrops so that we can manufacture different backdrops for people um, so you can create even if you're spread around the country you can create a an environment where it feels like you're all part of the same event will be presented to by someone who's at the same or similar events um, and we even have uh, talkback communications capabilities where we can deal with having a, a producer at one end of the country a show caller at the other end of the country and they can call the whole show and it's like working in a live environment and it is a big part this about bringing those kind of production values in as you mentioned, earlier, yeah, Zoom took off and, and all those kind of platforms. And I know people that are going, kind of, you know, I can't engage longer than half an hour. There's only so long I can stare at someone sat in their front room and actually yeah. remain engaged to it. It just doesn't work. Um, so we we add levels of production to that. But it's, it is basically a partnership network.
0: Yeah, which I find really fascinating and it's something I really appreciate as well. Uh, you know, as venues have really struggled because they make their money with people coming to them, this gives a lot of venues an avenue to still be able to provide services during this time um, in a really safe kind of way. So I think it's a really amazing thing that you guys have done to um, to help support that venue community. Um, You mentioned a little bit about how it can be interactive. Um, So maybe if you can elaborate on the interactive capabilities, as well as how we might bring XR into um, the broadcasting and what that might look like.
1: There's a whole kind of, I suppose there's a whole, several points along the same curve. Starting at Studio X, one end where you might be just doing a presentation. We can add into that um, polls, voting, Everything through the stream that we can do, so you can the audience can interact with what's going on, and then it's how you represent that. So you can either do it as on-screen results. We can add uh, augmented reality elements to it. Just next step up, I suppose, is the best way for that. So you can have graphs that float next to you or come up, or you know, descriptions like a, a map if you're describing it, which might float across the floor so you can see it. And then it goes all the way through up to full-on XR. Now, full-on XR requires a slightly different stage build. Um, so it's, it's almost the custom end of it, if you like. Um, but it, it, we have that capability in various places. So it, we can do everything for pretty much any kind of budget from a straightforward streaming event through up to a full-on XR stage. So.
0: Which is amazing when you consider that you know, with virtual events, you know, while we have these great expectations and for quality, when it comes to physical events, virtual events, the expectations have pretty much, you know, gone, gone to rock bottom, <laughs> if I can say that. Um, so to, to imagine that, you know, for a bit, maybe a bit more of a spend, but you know, it's, you can actually do something that is so cutting edge But also in a really robust and reliable way, um, you know, to do it through the professional broadcasting capabilities of you guys. I mean, I know from my perspective, I've been... I've hosted a bunch of conferences online and done a bunch of talks and stuff. And there's always those technical things that go wrong. Inevitably, you know, somebody forgets to turn their microphone on. Somebody hasn't given permission for their camera to be shown. Um, there's too many people in a room, all these kind of things. And as a host, that's the last thing I want to think about, you know? So if I can hand that kind of side of things over to somebody else who's, you know, professional and knows what they're doing and they can look after that side of things and also just make me look my best, then that really takes the edge off of, um, of, of what I have to do. And I can concentrate more on what I do best, you know? Um, so I got to do, um, one of the first studio X experiences cause I hosted the launch and I was so impressed with how safe I felt. Um, from a from a COVID point of view, I had been quite nervous about that. Um, it was the kind of one of the first times I'd been out in something like seven months, you know, to travel on a train, and you know, um, but it was such a pleasure, and it was so good while being safe to also be collaborating with real people. And to be able to, instead of you know, speak to a screen where I have absolutely no feedback, which I really struggle with as somebody who grew up on stage and things, you really look for the cues from the audience, how you're connecting, if they're with you, if they're not, you know. Um, and I really felt that come back when I was in the studio, and um, and I really appreciate like the final version looks so professional and so good. Um, I would honestly recommend it to, to any of my clients. So I think it's fabulous, which is part of the reason I have you on here today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, so where do you see the future of this going? I mean, because potentially, you know, we are looking at going into a hybrid physical virtual event kind of area. Um, you know, I'm I'm starting to get booked for uh, live events next year. Uh, but I still think this is going to be an important aspect. So from your point of view, what do you kind of see the future of things like Studio X being?
1: I think it's, it's an interesting mix. I think the fact that we've been in various lockdowns and been, it's accelerated the levels of what we all deliver on... Um, you know, remotely, or however you want to phrase it, um, to a point that probably wouldn't have appeared for another couple of years yet, or it would always have been on the back foot. I don't think it's it's ever going to go away. There'll be a balance shift back into live events because we all miss that. We all miss that meeting other people, etc. But as we go through, and there's you know, limited capacities for, then I think streaming, Studio X work. Um, any of those kind of virtual platforms will become part of our mainstream delivery method because it is, it is such a good way of doing it. And to be honest, there'll be a bit of when, if you go back to a stage in a live event, no matter how great it is as a corporate presentation, there'll be a little bit of something that misses that ability to be put in different environments, have things kind of fun to you. And I think there'll be a mix there. There could well be, you yeah, know, for a live event, we'll see more of the augmented side of things happening on repeater screens and IMAX screens. Um, not to the point where I think last time I saw augmented reality in the early days where basically you had a presenter on stage but you had to stare at the screen all the time. It'll be a much more informed way of using it. Um, I can see it starting to come back into you know, some maybe smaller roadshow events where you'd work with a confined audience, but you're actually also streaming it out. So you can reach the wider audience whilst having that ability to network with people in different environments. So it's it's never gonna go away.
0: Yeah, no, and I really love that. And I actually, I forgot to mention that you guys, uh, Studio X, one of the aspects of it is you have a mobile studio that can actually come to you where you are, uh, which is so clever. I think that's great. And I
1: love. It's, Go ahead. So it's 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 an important part of being able to be where we need to be. That's that's the key thing. We send. We also send um, for remote speakers. We will sort of send out to to their houses if we need to a complete kit, green screen backdrop, suitable earphones, the whole kit, and the technician to set it up if required, so that they get that whole kind of. I suppose looked after experience that you felt when you were here, that they're not just dialing into something and they're a bit on their own, but they they do get an important part of that.
0: Yeah. Well, and this idea that we can do something in a virtual conference, in a virtual setup that we couldn't necessarily do right now in a physical setup is, um, is cool to me, you know, what a differentiator and, um, and definitely something to shout about and to um, draw attention too. Um, I think it's very cool. Um, so I know you have a case study around using XR in this kind of way. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, a little, a little bit. We, um, we were attracted by um, an agency, um, M Integrated Solutions, or MES or M as it kind of get known, um, to build an XR studio at their premises for their clients. Uh, And we've been working with them on delivering some of the stuff. One of the ones we did recently was for for Xerox, for their forum. Um, And it was very much a partnership between us and the agency, and MEs take their part of it. They do what they do best. Um, We obviously deliver the XR element to it. And that was quite exciting. It's like there's, um, to have a host who, this will gel with your experience, who were getting, it. when questions came in, they'd have them presented to them on a studio monitor so they could actually see the next question coming up. And all those production values, but there was a stage manager in there. We had callers from around the world as part of that, um, which come in through, we have a virtual stage manager who looks after the virtual calls. So there's always someone to talk to them as they're dialing in, make sure the lighting's right, etc. Um, and then it was presented and streamed out by uh, as, uh, from the XR stage. So from a, a small XR stage, there was a whole presentation that allowed presentation units to pass from the virtual into the, you know, into the real, into the virtual world. Um, it's quite a strange experience when you look at a stage like that and it is a defined shape and size and then you look at the The monitor of what you're sending out, and it is a complete. You don't see anything but the environment and the presenter stood on it and passed that, and we had um, various augmented reality pieces that came in to highlight points, um, all the usual stuff about how do you manage getting the presenter off stage and on stage in between pieces. Um, But it's it was it was very nice to work with them, and they you know they were a very happy client, and that that partnership continues.
0: Yeah, and so this is a permanent installation um, in their office, is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of a semi-permanent because we're already working with and We're kind of outgrowing the space we've got, and we're adding extra elements to it all the time. So there's, you know, we have, but it's been nice because we have the ability to put all the, the tracking markers we need for the tracked cameras are there permanently. Um, Those things we store, so we're kind of cutting down the time we need to spend every time we go back. Um, Between us, we're exploring newer elements. Um, It's been a learning curve for a lot of people about how you deliver this kind of event. And actually, the biggest thing is that, you know, it is, I keep coming back to it, it's that level of production value that as agencies and as Maybe suppliers, etc. we would always apply to a live event. And that, that's one of the things I think that disappeared for a while. You know, everyone went kind of, well, it's virtual. You don't need, yes, you do. You need those production values because otherwise it doesn't work. It's like kind of going back to the early days of small corporate production where you go, it'll do. And that's not how we work.
0: Exactly. So, um, I don't know how much you can talk about it, but are they using this for kind of um, regular broadcast events to their clients? Is it, or are they using it for pitch meetings or? Um...
1: Um, the one well, the one that I mentioned was their uh, their forum. It's an international forum that they have and, and it streams out to um, a wide number of people worldwide. And a lot of the, the some of the, Details from verox are imparted on that. Um, interesting, Xerox did a, a small behind the scenes video that they released on YouTube, which is yeah. quite interesting. Short and sweet, but it kind of gives you an idea of how it all works. And there are a couple of clips in there where you see the stage and then suddenly you see the environment they're working in. And I think it's part of our job and the job working with MEs or any other agency is is that whole thing about making clients feel comfortable and how they get used to it, because it is a different environment, but it's similar in a lot of ways. You know, you've got that visual feedback from around you. You can see things that you don't see on a green screen. There's that whole kind of making clients comfortable where, while they get used to working in a new environment. And very soon people come out the other side of it. going, Actually, this is, this is a comfortable environment to work in.
0: Yeah well one of the things that must help is the excitement of it I mean having kind of done it my part with it there is an element of exciting and, and difference and um, and that must help people be a bit more comfortable in it it's definitely um, something different from what we have all been doing day to day <laughs> for the last yeah and I
1: guess I guess so and, and I suppose even just it's it's hard for me because I I'm, in, I'm heavily immersed in it so I go, kind of, well, yeah, of course we can do that. But it's down to some of the simple things like whereas in the past and for a lot of things, if you've got someone who's a remote presenter who's dialing in from a green screen background, then you get them on a in a pip or a window or something. Well, with this kind of technology, we can actually place them on the same stage as the host. And from the camera's point of view, they're in the same environment. They're stood there on the stage talking to someone and that gets really exciting because you kind of like, we don't have to put you in a box somewhere. You can, you can interact with it and you can interact with the other people because you can see them. But I mean, particularly in this day and age, you're completely safe. You're not actually physically there. But it, to a viewer, you might as well be. And you get that engagement. And I think the best, the best time is when people forget they are looking at a digitally created environment. And the minute people forget that and they get just buried in what they're looking at, that's the really exciting time.
0: I love that. I think that's really great. Cool. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, out of your long career, do you have any kind of career highlights that you might want to be able to talk there's, about?
1: There's been a few. Um, and I guess there's you know, the, the one in Japan that I mentioned, I loved
0: um, yeah.
1: Just because What of the year challenges. was
0: that? What year uh, was that? that?
1: That had been back in 2009, 2010 or something. Nice. And we were doing like rotating pieces, and it was lots of projection mapping, but yeah, kind of difficult projection mapping then. And I've done lots of stuff like that. Um, I guess the big one for me was doing the, the projection on the uh, pyramid stage for Coldplay. And that was that was a big highlight for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Glastonbury.
0: Wow. Very uh, so. cool.
1: Yeah, I'd loved it. <laughs> but very nerve wracking when it's the it's the final track on the Friday night and you and then you've got a minute of black before the visuals actually start and it's all kind of linked to time cone. Mm-hmm. There's twenty-two mm-hmm. odd projectors doing it from various wow. places. And that was the longest minute of my life. <laughs> to make sure that, and but it was it was worth it. Like, wow! Very there's,
0: cool. There's,
1: so,
0: so, maybe in the next couple of years you'll be back doing something similar with um, the XR on stage, or
1: yeah, I mean, well, XR I mean, it's, it's important, especially XR spreads across music. There's a lot of music work getting developed in XR, and then stuff that there's a lot of film and TV. So. Who knows where we'll go next?
0: Yeah. Well, that's kind of my final question for you, is where do you think it's all going, and what excites you the most about the the future of XR and how we're using it?
1: Um, I think it's a lot of things that, that we touched on. It's, it's How far can you push it? I mean, it, it's constantly going to develop. It won't look the same as it does now in a couple of years' time, I'm sure. There'll be other things that it adds to it. Um, there's so much potential for everything from like, um, I suppose, standard streaming through to XR that it's difficult to say where it's going because it's, it's in every element. I think there'll be bigger, much bigger use in, in the live events industry, a lot bigger use in film and TV. Um, it will spread out everywhere. And I don't quite know where it's gonna go, which makes it really exciting.
0: Yeah. No, it is very exciting. Um, One of the things that you mentioned was about how you can have people who are in a different environment make it look like they're face-to-face and things. And that's something I'm very keen to see more of. um, And I expect to see more of, especially as, you know, 5G and Edge all start to play into this, um, making it a bit easier on the technical side of things. Um, But yeah, I imagine, you know, performers, I have this, I often say, you know, you can imagine somebody like Ed Sheeran getting paid to go to a birthday party um, for, you know, five minutes and he's digitally projected into this birthday party and he sings the girl's name and he gets, you know, five grand a pop and he could do that 50 times a day. You know, (laughs) Um, there's all kinds of different ways that this technology can be used. But, um, but I really love um, this, this part of applying it to events. And especially because this year has been so hard for the event industry, Um, that's part of the reason I wanted to have you guys on is because I really appreciate what you have done for the community with the Studio X capability, um, the network, bringing people together and offering people ways to deliver great production value. That is also something that's safe and convenient. So thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for being my guest here today. You're welcome. My pleasure. So thank you guys all for listening. I have been your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. Really appreciate your kind attention. And I hope you will tune in next month for more. Thank you.